Welcome to Time Traveling Team, the weekly podcast where we review every story of Doctor Who right from the very beginning. I'm Patty. And I'm Trisha. In today's Rambling in the TARDIS, we're going to take a look at Ben and Polly. We'll be taking a look at their strengths and their weaknesses and picking out what we think are their best and worst episodes. We would also love to hear some of your thoughts about your favourite Ben and Polly moments. So in order to join the discussion, you can check us out at Time Team, that's T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Or you can email us at timetravellingteamp at teamproductions.com. So, as always, we will be discussing the characters' high points, their low points, their best and worst moments. So, Trish, how about you lead us off? And do you want to go with Ben first or Polly first? Uh, why don't we go in alphabetical order? Start with Ben. Cool. Ben. Ben, 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 Ben. Um, so, we've said before that we tend to, sometimes we tend to finish on a negative. So, why don't we do weaknesses first? Cool. Fair enough. So, do you want to go first or should I go first? Uh, I'll go first. Cool. <laughs> My first note is, oh, scully, scully, scully. I mean, I mean, Ben, Ben, <laughs> Ben. <laughs> Though he did outgrow it eventually. <laughs> eventually. His scepticism hung around for a very long time. And made him come across as a little bit of an idiot yeah just a smidge especially when you seem to have like you know a savant at judging people (laughs) with you yeah um you know even the fact that they move from central London to Cornwall and he's still like nope (laughs) it's like um and then, obviously, when the Doctor changed, mm. we saw it again. Um, it's like, dude, you watched it happen. Like, it literally happened before your eyes. Like, you saw it. So, that, I think, the only reason why, because, like, being sceptical isn't a bad thing. The only reason why I would class it as a weakness for Ben, because, A, he does outgrow it, but also the reason why I consider it a weakness for Ben is because his scepticism is scully level hmm. in the face of like it's scully in the Ellermeyer flask at the end of season one where she's holding an alien fetus yeah as to like no aliens don't exist or like scully from the fight the future movie like so the first and the best x movie where she was on an alien spaceship <laughs> In Antarctica, she saw it take off and then later on denies that she ever saw it take off. They even make fun of it on the show that she denies that she ever saw it take off. So that's why it's a weakness because it's it's too much. Yeah. Um, His other weakness is that, um, and this is a weakness that stems off from one of his strengths that I'm sure we'll come back to, which is he can be a bit short-sighted in his defensiveness and that has ramifications so we said a particular thing for ben is the safety of polly right Mm. we'll get to that i'm sure when we get to his strengths right but the fact that he's constantly what about polly what about polly what about polly it means that other people (laughs) find him irritating like if you think about it in the war machines if you think about it in power of the daleks because he keeps banging on about it Mm. It makes it difficult for people to work with him. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, it gets better when Jamie comes along because 
when it was like, oh, what about Polly in The Underwater Menace? He trusted that Jamie could take care of her mm-hmm. and or look out for her. It's probably a better because Polly can take care of herself, but Jamie yeah. can look out for her. Um, so that that I think it, it leaves him a bit short sighted, and it means that people look at him differently, and they don't treat him as the reliable person that he is. Becomes it comes across like the only thing he thinks about in any situation <laughs> is Polly, and that he can't see the big picture. So those would be my two weaknesses for Ben. Um, so yeah, I know I'd agree with the the scullyness, all right, and the the narrow. I won't say yeah, short sightedness as opposed to narrow mindedness, or mm. maybe like just tunnel vision that he might get. Uh, I had another one, which is that when he gets frustrated, his temper gets the best of him, and he ends up acting against character. Prime example of being the moon base when it's he gets he's having an argument with Jamie over Jamie's capacity to be able to assist him. And then he kind of, I think he kind of takes her on Polly and when he says like, you know, Polly, you stay here fighting Cybermen as men's work, despite the fact that you've seen that Polly can take care of herself. Um, so I think he kind of just alienates himself for short periods of time, just when his temper gets the best of him. Yeah, I did. I did consider that particular incident when I was doing my weaknesses. Hmm. The reason why I didn't include it is because, and maybe I'm wrong and by all means, please correct me if I am. I saw that as a one-off. Um, I'm not like okay, so that that's the prime example. Hmm. But there are other, I think, instances where I think even back in the Highlanders when he was getting, no, granted that was extenuating circumstances, but um, his temper was kind of getting the best of him initially when Jamie and himself kind of it all comes back to Jamie. I blame Jamie on this one. Um, he's kind of getting um, the. No, he's just frustration. Or even like if you want to go to the power of the Daleks, when like the doctor was being in his um he was doing his very unique ways of kind of gathering information. It was just getting Jamie like kind of really not Jamie, it was getting Ben really riled up. And it was like, dude, would you just calm the fuck down? Yeah, I think the reason why I think possibly a reason why I didn't see it as a weakness is that it's he's so mellow compared to Stephen. <laughs> I suppose I suppose that's the thing. Like you know, it, like if if you take uh, maybe Stephen out of the equation, from, it probably I'd probably it, stand out more. <laughs> but again, because I I think like and we'll get into it like when we talked about it like you know the strange I, I I would assume. But after multiple stories where we didn't like Stephen and mm. we and we were vocal about that, having Ben come in and be such a breath of fresh air that wasn't exactly Ian but he was had like you know some cliff notes but he was also his own thing it just felt like a breath of fresh air yeah yeah I'd agree uh do we want to continue on the the weakness side things with Polly or will we just do strength for Ben and then go on to Polly herself I don't mind how about we get the nasty stuff out of the way first and we go with weaknesses for Polly cool so I only have one weakness for Polly Right. Um, cool. And that isn't to say that Polly is like a Mary Sue type character because she's not. She's a complex character. Mm-hmm. Um, the weakness that I have for Polly is that more so in the last couple of weeks, mm. starting with the Underwater Menace, we had it in Macro Terror. And in some ways we kind of had it in this, in this last story in the Faceless Ones as well, is 
she is reduced to the damsel in distress mm-hmm. and she doesn't get her clever follow through that we usually get. No. So we've said like one of the reasons why I would consider Polly to not be a Mary Sue um, is that she does scream her fucking head off. But usually she then follows through to think her way out of a situation or whatever. And towards the end, we got a number of stories where that didn't happen. Hmm. Or she had a screaming moment, she did a follow through, and then she's back to screaming moment again. It's like, why? That, particularly the underwater menace had that, you know, like sort of up and down thing. And the macro terror is like, what the hell? Like it was a screaming moment the whole fucking way through. Yeah. Because um, cause I think I'm in, in a very similar vein. I had uh, that, I think depending on who she's with in a threatening situation, she can she has a tendency to join the as like I like to call it the lost the will to live brigade mm. like you know with Jamie there was a whole thing oh I can't go on and there was the the, the we didn't see it thankfully the fucking slapping incident mm. because it was removed uh, again, thank god fucking, yeah thank god fucking smart move on that uh, producer's uh, mindset and then there was the macro terror where she was very much like, I can't, I can't just push the door, I can't, I don't want to go further down this tunnel, I don't want to do. And like it's just, it just seems to be a case of, are you only brave when Ben is in it? Because but, those instances happen when Ben isn't there. We did kind of get a little bit of that. Maybe that's the case. Maybe Ben is her source of strength. You know, mm. Maybe that's what it is. Because um, we did get a little bit in the faceless ones because when she meets up with... Jamie and the doctor and she tells him that she saw a dead body or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what um, about Ben? She's asking what about Ben? Yeah. Which is nice. Because um, they, they kind of mirror that off each other which I think, I think is very sweet. But again, I think it's only in threatening situations that this is this, this occurs because... But when they said like, oh, let's go back and look at the body, she doesn't want to go. She's mm-hmm. like, he tried to kill me. And it's when Jamie's like, we'll protect you that she goes. And that doesn't really fly with who she who we've seen up to now mm. but maybe it is the Ben thing maybe Ben is her source of strength and when he's mm. not there she doesn't feel as safe um, but I just I just like to clarify only when it comes to threatening, uh, threatening situations because there are times where she's by herself that she's incredibly capable oh yeah, yeah. no but I think yeah. in terms of when she's scared yeah oh yeah definitely yeah, no, yeah. like when deathly scared. scared yeah and she can't rely on Ben Th- that's the problem yeah and it really is because like you're for such an amazing character that to have that be the weakness it just kind of sucks a small bit yeah i'd agree so we move on to the strengths yes so back to mr jackson mm-hmm. um you can't say he's not dedicated to his friends absolutely not no no <laughs> one in particular <laughs> 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 we said uh, it in in our first story with him in the war machines and mm. it continued on right up until the very end what about Polly what about Polly what about Polly <laughs> I think if we were to look you know just actually you know a separate podcast like, like we already did our first doctor podcast and a second doctor podcast we should kind of like like uh, second doctor podcast what about Polly <laughs> <laughs> no um, the other thing with Ben is that like you know I agree with you. He was such a breath of fresh air after Stephen. Um, but at the same time, he's still willing and perfectly able to jump in and get his hands dirty. Like, he fills that action man role 
without having, with the exception that you mentioned of um, Moonbase, mm-hmm. without having to be the alpha. Yeah. Do you know? And without being overbearing and intimidating. And as well, like the fact that he's he's a military character, mm. while yes, he's the muscle of the group for a, for a time, he's not a muscle head. No. No. Which is great. Yeah. Because we get that fantastic moment in the moon base of, or, uh, sorry, uh, Ten Planet. He didn't give me any other choice. And that's something. So I, I wrote this down as a strength. I don't know if I'd count it as a strength or or how, how you classify it is. But Ben is the character that up to now, and to be honest, out of most of the classic characters I've seen, um, the one other exception might be Ace. Mm-hmm. Um, ben is the one who I think has shown the mental struggles and ramifications of his actions the most. Yeah, like <clears throat> sorry, like we saw a sh- we we see brief shades of it with Ian, like when he. Uh, used excellent momentum to fucking cart him over the, the side of the pyramid there is that look on uh, Ian's face of Jesus I just killed a guy but mm. then unfortunately that's not the way that you know the stories were being written at that stage where it comes on like that he the next adventure he's all hail and hearty in the sense of there's no mental fatigue over the fact that he's taken a life now as we said with Ian he doesn't like to take lives but he take like he's not averse to taking them Ben here this is the first time where we actually see someone vocalize yeah. that that torment or that uh, that guilt, and I, I I loved it. Like I was like going, this was a standout moment for for Ben. And I was like, well, like you know, who knows? It might show up at a best of. <laughs> um, but it was a great thing because he's a compassionate character, mm. but he's also very contemplative of the actions he takes. And again, just complete breath of, breath of fresh air. Yeah, I think like he's perfectly willing to jump into a fight, mm-hmm. but that first killing mm-hmm. really affected him. And you know, even if they didn't mention it in any other episode ever, which they don't really, it doesn't really come up again. But like with Ian, it was a look. Yeah, with Ben, it's a vocalization. With Ben, it's the and the vocalizations, or because like it's the vocalization. And the way he carries himself and that whole that whole bit is just so good. Hmm. And, you know, we saw it again in the Macro Terror uh last week, where this internal struggle when he's brainwashed. Yeah. And again, we didn't really get that internal struggle quite the same way. We got a little bit with Polly, I think, in the war machines. Hmm. Um but we didn't get it with Dodo. No. Do you know who really, like, I mean, Dodo was fully, fully on, like. I think with the other characters that have ever shown this type of stuff, Ben is the first person to actually vocalise it. No, yeah. And again, like, no, the acting of those individuals was great and we got to actually see that. But to hear vocalise is a, is a step above and it's a step beyond and it's actually really good to see. So I'm really glad that it was actually a military character that express yeah. that as opposed to just regular Joe Soap. Yeah, I think the way I describe it as a strength is probably the best way to consider it in terms of like strengths and weaknesses is that even if it's only to himself, yeah, he admitted that something affected him. Yeah. Even if it was only to himself. Do you know? 
um, which I thought was great. No, absolutely. Like, and again, like that's the type of character that you you want to follow, mm. especially in this type of storytelling and in this franchise. You know. Yeah. So, shall we go on to Polly? Indeed. What were your strengths with Polly? You can go first this time. I think Polly would make a fantastic poker player. <laughs> um, no, she's great at reading people, and a, yeah. and as and as well as you, uh, depending on the scenario, using their misconceptions of her against them. Mm. Uh, it's like, oh, I'm just good at making coffee. Fair enough. You st- <laughs> you stick around here. Yes, and I won't take in everything that you're saying. Um, but it's great. Like she's highly intelligent, as we saw. Like that she's, what did you call her? Polly. She's a polyglot. Polyglot, thank you very much. I was like, polylingual, polydactyl, no, polydactyl. <laughs> That's a multiple pterodactyl. Um, yeah, she's a polyglot, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and she's she's at times very fearless, mm. which is great. She's not afraid to get stuck in. And I think I would consider her very much a don't judge a book by its cover companion. I'd agree. Um, I agree with basically everything you said. I think... The, the notes I have here is that she's a people person. Mm-hmm. Not only can she read people very well, she connects with people very well. So both in a sort of ingratiating herself to the enemy type thing and getting them to talk to her when they maybe shouldn't, but also just with people in general. And we saw it, I mean, probably the, the two biggest examples are Ben and Jamie. Mm-hmm. Do you know the way she got Ben out to come out of his shell and... You know, he's like, oh, I'm just going to be a grumpy station. Like, ah, come on. Like, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Um, Had a big effect on him. The way she just accepted Jamie straight away. um, And they developed that bond between the two of them. And with the Doctor as well, like both Doc Bill and Doc Pat, she has this way of just connecting with people mm-hmm. where I don't know if it's her empathy or just because she's so open as a person. Um, but it's great to see someone who connects so easily because you kind of get the sense, and maybe it's just me, like Barbara doesn't connect with people as well. Barbara was quite reserved. Well, except when it came to um, except when it came to Ian. But even <laughs> even with Ian, though, hmm. I mean, there are moments when it's Miss Wright and Mister Chesterton. Mm-hmm. Um, their companionship and their that grew over time. And we got to see that unfold when the trappings of their environment got removed. Um, Although there wasn't that thing, you know, like I would say maybe Genesis and Leon as well, where she let the guard down a small bit. True, true, but like not on a day to day. No, no, not, not to the same level. Not to the same level of as Polly. Not to the same level that Polly does. Um, so I think you know, with Polly, I think it was it, it's just such a different approach. Do you know? Um, like I said, she's very clever. She's not just some bimbo. <laughs> no. And again, like at the time that this show came out, I would have considered her to be like a great role model for young women that wanted to get into this, you know, the show or that, you know, like you'll say, for example, like, you know, uh, there, there, there's, there was the stigma. There might still be it, but not at the same amount. Stigma of being a, a, a nerd, you know? Yeah. And I think Polly is a great ambassador on a show where it's like, do you know what? Fuck it. You can like nerdy things and or you can like stuff that like you can like a nerdy thing and you'd actually be better for it. And I think that's the case with Polly Polly show that it's okay to be uh, you know, okay to be different because that's how people mis misread you. Yeah. Um the other thing is that like 
she doesn't give in either. Like we we've spoken like one of the weaknesses, I think the main weakness with Polly's character hmm. was um how ill written she was towards the end. Um, by certain writers who purely saw her as the damsel in distress, which is not what she is. No. Um, because the strength that she has that she doesn't give in. She has this great it's very similar to Barbara that she has this great well of strength within her yes. that yeah she'll scream her fucking head off <laughs> <laughs> but then it's okay think my way out of this of this problem yeah um and she doesn't give in easily do you know um with the exception of the handful of moments that I'm sure we'll get to um yeah. <laughs> when we talk about our worst episodes um so that's a great thing to see in a character like that do you know because I mm. think while it's misconstrued in you know current you know current fans looking backwards mm-hmm. it's probably misconstrued i think a lot of that has to do with a lot of her episodes being missing as well um you know she's remembered as being a screamer mm. and that wasn't all she was at all no and hopefully like the aim well one of the aims that we had when we started this podcast was to for people that are interested but either they can't focus on the missing episodes or they they're like going back and watching all the stuff is in their bag this podcast would hopefully get rid of those misconceptions of that character yeah and the last one i have is you know obviously we kind of joke that herself and ben are Mulder and scully and she'd be the Mm. Mulder in that part but she's also better than Mulder, you know Mulder is a bit too fucking accepting um, of unique situations but um, she very quickly adapts to new situations and she she has that skill like when the doctor changed yeah she was a bit doubtful to beginning but then she you know because of her other strengths she connected with him and, and was able to adapt and move on which is great because you can only have one character being your skeptic mm-hmm and Ben had that in spades. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we couldn't have them both like that. It would be fucking horrific. <laughs> um, so with Polly, I think the fact that she can adapt so quickly, partially because of her ability to read people and to read the mm. situation and the fact that she is paying attention all the time. Like, you know, if we think about the moon base, she's like, well, what, what's their front cover made of? It looks like plastic, you know? Even though you're freaking the fuck... Like, every time she saw a Cyberman, she screamed her head off. But she also noticed that their front cover plate looks like it's made of plastic. Do you know? Which is... I think it's a great strength. And, you know, it... It it doesn't make her... Ma- it doesn't make her a Mary Sue. It makes her complex. Yes. Which I love. And I think that's the thing about Ben and Polly. And probably... Forgive me. But, like, the thing that puts them slightly above Ian and Barbara... Is that I think Ben and Polly are, I know, I know, that hurt to say. I think Ben and Polly are more complex. They, because Ian and Barbara had a mold to fit, which was mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ben and Polly didn't have that mold to fit. So they were yeah, allowed to be yeah. more complex characters. No, like, I, I, I'd agree. But like, it's not, like, it's not even a thing, forgive me for saying, but it's like, no, it's just, a, I suppose it, you could say it's a statement of fact. It doesn't take away from your enjoyment of the other two characters. Yeah, or my undying love and my dedication to them to the end of time. Yeah. 
I can't, I can't, I can't wait to see like the tattoo of just like on the back a complete spread of the two of them. I'm wearing that T-shirt again today, yeah. actually. That has Ian and Barbara on it. I don't know. If you can see. Is that just so you can assuage the guilt of what you just said? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they will always be close to my heart, <laughs> literally. Uh, cool. So. We've talked through what we think are the strengths and weaknesses for Polly and Ben. And at this point, we really need to look a bit more specific, right? So at this point, we look at their episodes in particular. And you mentioned that Polly and Ben have, let me just double check. They have one. Nine, I think. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, they have nine stories. So not as many as some of our previous companions have had, but more than some others. I mean, and, and what we said it on Dodo Monday had like five. Yeah, and we said it on Monday as well. Like it, the reason it feels so short is because they're the first companions to witness a regeneration. So there, there's two eras that they're in. Yeah. So you can kind of break it that way, you know. Yeah, I'm actually just looking at our um, episode list, mm-hmm. and <laughs> they finished off the twenties and started the thirties. So like, because yeah. Pat's first episode was episode thirty. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting that they sort of got the arse end of the 20s and then into the 30s. Um, so we'll continue with ending on a high note, right? Yes, so we're going to yeah. start on I've, a bum note. So I, I think we should do that from now on because I think we ended like the first Doctor's rambling on a sour note. So it was just like, you just give you all about the gunfighters. Yeah. Um, DVD still available? Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. I have a lot of Doctor Who DVDs. Most of them, I'm perfectly happy to keep. That one, though, <laughs> perfectly happy not it, to keep. Let me know. Um, uh, so yeah. we go with worst episodes. Cool. So I have three per person. Now, do, will we do third to sorry three to one, or will we do one to three? So I have two for Ben, and I have mm-hmm. three for Polly. Cool. And I think we, we say this every every time we do this, <laughs> we ask the same question. So it goes three, two, one, with yeah. number one being the worst episode. Yes. So when you're reading them out, start with number three. Okay, cool. Fair enough. Right. Uh, will we go alphabetically again? Yeah. Okay. My number three for Ben is the faceless ones. Okay. Because... Over everything that's there, he does fuck all in it, and it's just a dis- like it's a di- like trying to take away from the, not the overall like uh, I suppose the experience of the story. He just does nothing, and mm. it's it's disappointing. Except for the fact, that, as you pointed out, that he's the only one to scatter. <laughs> <laughs> scatter by scatter. So <laughs> I shouldn't I- do that. It hurts my nose when I say it that way. I really shouldn't. I'm pretty sure it hurts people's ears as well. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> My apologies, I won't do it again. Uh, dogs in the surrounding area are just barking like crazy. Uh, now, will I carry on my my list and then you yeah, can... Yeah, no, you do yours okay. and then I'll do mine. Cool. So my number two is actually Power of the Daleks. Mm. For... No, as I said, I think his scepticism was needed to mm. balance out Polly's more optimistic side of things of like you know reading the Doctor. Because like those questions did, did need to be asked. The only issue is is that I think it went on way too long in that story, 
especially given that we know Polly is a very good judge of character and he trusts Polly. Mm. So why can't he trust her here? Yeah, I get that. Um, and as we kind of go this whole thing, what about Polly? What about Polly? What about Polly? And it's again, there was a time like when himself and the doctor were hiding, and they were trying to find out what's going on. And he hears Polly, and he's up, and he's banging into shit, and he's just causing a ruckus. So I don't think that's a particularly good showing for Ben. Mm. And my number one is, and I, I'll put you this way, right? My kind of my stuff for Ben is kind of flimsy because I think he's a great character. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go with number one, and it's just because it annoyed me so fucking much, the moon base. Because for someone that has an otherwise great record, his comments towards Polly because of his interaction with Jamie, I think it's, as we discussed, it's probably poor writing on behalf of Kit Peddler, who maybe wasn't familiar with the character. But if we're to keep it in context of the actual written story, I think it's a really shitty thing for Ben to do just because he's having it out with Jamie. Mm. And... It's, it's just very against type. It's just against everything that we've seen about Ben so far. And given it's a very stressful scenario, I would have thought Ben would have kept his head a small bit better. Yeah. Because they're effectively all, like, all, they're not separate. Like, unlike other stories, they're not separated. They're all in the same installation. They're, they can all help each other. Yeah, so, I can see that. Yeah, so that's why I wasn't, I would classify this as Ben's worst showing. Hmm. So for me, I only have two. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put a caveat though. Okay. Right. So I have two for worst and I have three for best because usually we do three. For yeah. Three is a standard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, power, if I had to rank everyone in order, mm-hmm. so if we're doing eight and nine are the two that I've listed here. Yeah. Power would be number seven. Yeah. However, I couldn't bring myself to call it a worst episode. It's probably his least good middling episode, hmm. but I couldn't, I, I couldn't bring myself to title it worst. No, but, like, but like we've done that before. Like I, yeah. like I was going back to some of the old ramblings. I mean, like for fuck's sake, like we had like two for Barbara, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so again, with Ben, uh, just to put a caveat on why I don't mention power because we, like I mentioned in his weaknesses, his Scully-esque nature and how that goes a bit far. Big fire. Uh, it didn't really bother me so much in power that I would consider it a worst showing. You know, the, probably like the, the bottom of the middle pack. Yeah. But not in the worst category. Yeah. But then again, like we use tree because of it's a nice kind of a number to do this yeah. type of thing. It's not like a, a target to hit. It's just an allotment. We wouldn't go over tree. Yeah. Which also, when re- we when we first did this, Paddy did three the first time, and I just have copied him ever since. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus, like you know, like Jesus, if that's the case, we would have like Stephen would have been what? <laughs> All of them. Yeah. All of them. With the exception of possibly the chase. Was it, the chase. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, stop talking about Steven. He's gone. <laughs> He's, <just laughs> He's been gone for ages. Yeah. Um, cool. He's been gone so, for over a year in yeah. Showtime. I'm still fucking going out about him. Cool. Anyway, so <laughs> like the other two, th- 
<laughs> the other two that I have are the same two that you have, but they're not in the same order. Oh, okay. So Moonbase is my second worst mm-hmm. because of his comment to Polly. Yeah. But it's only his comment to Polly that I have issue with. Mm-hmm. His comments to Jamie in the context of they're going up against the Cybermen and Ben had to kill one of them before that we know really affected him. His comments to Jamie, while not presented well, I still feel are justified. But see, that's that's the thing, is that he's in the right. He's just being a complete dick about it. But I think it's, an un- I think it's understandable that his emotions are on edge when you consider what happened the last time he met the Cybermen, mm. right? Mm-hmm. His statement to Polly, though, is where I think the big issue lies. Because had it just been that falling out with Jamie... I probably wouldn't mind quite as much, right? Because Ben was right. And, you know, call a spade a spade. Jamie didn't help fucking defuse that situation either. Jamie rose to it. Mm. And Ben rose back. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can't expect the man to be completely in control all the time when you have someone yelling at you saying that they can help. Um. So... The reason why it goes on the worst, though, is because of the interaction with Polly. And you know that if he hadn't just had an argument with Ben or with Jamie, and if his emotions weren't already running high, that he would have said to Polly, hey, I think you you should stay here where it's safer. Mm-hmm. And that would have been all he said. So something a bit more tactful. Yeah. The only reason why he said the, this is men, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Annika Wills and Fraser Hines if you ever listen to this maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong um, I think the only reason why he said what he said in the way that he said it is because he was already pissed mm. he'd already had this confrontation with Jamie and then Polly wants to go as well and he's like are you fucking serious like this isn't a joke this isn't something simple these things are not human this is not an easy thing to do but you know if I can let him slide a little bit for inevitably losing his temper once, mm-hmm. the fact that he then turned that on Polly. Yeah. No, because it becomes very alpha male kind of sexist, you know, um, thing. And while I would never accuse Ben of this ever, it's the type of behavior you see with abusive relationships, you know, mm-hmm. where you've someone comes home angry because of something that happened at work and they take it out on their loved ones. And that's yeah. essentially what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get Jamie to stay behind and he took it out on Polly. Yeah. Um, I don't think he meant it. I would have liked it if we'd gotten an apology <laughs> in the episode. Yeah. Um, the reason, though, why I ranked that number two is because he was very strong for the rest of that story. And we, we discussed this at the time. Mm-hmm. I thought the Moonbase, he was a very strong character. With that exception. <laughs> in the middle. But it's such a big exception that it takes what is a very strong showing that should be, you know, middle of the pack. You know, of the nine. Like, it should mm-hmm. be up in the middle or, like, up in the high rankings of the nine. And it plummets. Plummet, yeah. 
for, in my opinion, down to eight, and in your opinion, down to nine. Mm. The one that I have at the very bottom, though, is the faceless ones, because I go back to my um, comments from the other my, my comments before, which is, if you take him out of the story, what in the plot changes? Nothing. We don't get the photo boot moment. That's it. The photo boot doesn't contribute to the plot. No, but I'm not even saying it's plot contribution. It's just a funny moment. We don't even get that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, like the photo boot was funny. That you know that's fine, but <laughs> it doesn't uh, contribute to the plot. He didn't do anything. He he wandered around by himself, and then he got captured, and yeah. that was it. And for me, it it's just poor use of Ben. Like. You know, it's funny to see the doctor and Jamie running around a contemporary airport on their own. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny to see it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But this again, we have people in authority positions. Ben works really well at bridging the gap with the authority figures and stuff like that. And we didn't get to see any of that. So I think it's his worst episode because he did fuck all in it. Yeah. Um, He did nothing to drive the plot. You could have almost like had him scatter at the start mm. and just not find them till the end, <laughs> and, and it would have been exactly the same. You know, it would have been exactly the same. Um, so for me, it was his worst episode. Um, and I said the only reason why Moonbase didn't plummet the whole way to the bottom of the stack is because he did he, contribute he has heavily in that story. In it, yeah, no, like, I can see. I think at least we're in like the same mindset as to what constitutes a fucking bad story for Ben. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I again, like I think we're seeing each other's points alright, and we're just kind of we're the only kind of variation is just the ranking of those points. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. So now on to Polly. Yeah. So I'll go first with this time with Polly. So <laughs> you may have the same ones I have. I have three. Okay. And all for fundamentally the same reason. Cool. Which are the faceless ones, the underwater mm-hmm. menace, and the macro terror. I have them in that exact same order. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we just discuss them back and forth, right? So the faceless yeah. ones, we just discussed this on Monday, right? Yeah. But she does have a perils of Polly type thing where she gets mm-hmm. captured. But she kickstarts the plot. Where I think it ranks low for her is she kickstarts the plot, but then she has her perils moment and she has no recovery. No. The thing with Polly is that when she has a peril moment, what makes Polly great is she always, well, other than these three stories, she has a good recovery out of it. And we didn't get the recovery moment for Polly. No, we didn't. And that for me is why it's number seven overall. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, like I... I'd agree. It's like, even when like she's you know uh, with Spencer and Blade, and it's just that whole thing. Oh, like we have ways of dealing with you. There isn't even uh, like a sort of a you want know, like well at least try and kick him in the fucking shins type thing. Um, and like, again, because it's a it's the departure story, that's what pisses me off the most about it. Yeah, it's like there's they they have no impact. They have like zero fucking impact in the story, and that pisses me off so much. What is it about the the writing of writing characters out of the show that you can't is like just ju- do like a justifiable job yeah 
like the, the reason why this is in the sort of third worst position rather than for me it was the worst one for ben yeah because uh, she has the benefit of adding something she has to the, the benefit of the plot yeah. <laughs> and ben didn't ben has no plot <laughs> nope um then we have his name yeah then we have the underwater menace or as you called it at the time the tale of two polys yes and the reason that sits in the number two position for me is because of it's a tale of two polys yeah it's it's almost worse this is so weird right so we're giving out so we're saying oh the faceless ones she had her plot moment and then she had her perils moment and she didn't get her recovery. In this, we have plot, peril, recovery, peril again. Yes. I lost the will to live. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> what, was with, what was with that bit at the end? <laughs> I, if you took out the bit at the end, these two would probably be in joint position or actually maybe even faceless ones would be lower and Underwater Menace would be slightly higher. Um, but because it was this fucking uppy-downy shit. Yeah. And it, again, like it was so frustrating because we had just come off... We had that fantastic run of five stories. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, no. I don't want to see this. <laughs> yeah. like Is that the same reason why you'd put it at the number two yeah. position over faceless yeah no in the sense of because like, she has her moments to shine but then unfortunately she's back to the damsel in distress and it's just so fucking frustrating that she ends the story as a damsel in distress yeah which isn't who polly is so to, to go out on that note fucking sucks um also i think faceless had the recovery as well of at least the departure scene was good yeah you know whatever Macra Terror. Cool. Crab Fest. <laughs> it is so, a complete Perils of Polly story. There is no recovery whatsoever. No. And to be honest, I would again ask the question if Why? you removed her from the story, what changes? Um, Nothing. No, because Ben denied seeing the macro anyway. Yeah, like I didn't snap him out of it, maybe and he denied get, seeing it. Maybe to get across just how dangerous they are to the audience, but then again, any one of the colonists could have provided that. Yeah, it would have been an even better reveal for Jamie in the tunnel later. Yeah, but like, there's there's no there's no as I've heard not even a single moment of awesomeness to give her some credibility. No. It's just uh, the whole time. Yeah, which is it's it's such a fucking. It do you know what's really weird? It's like almost like Samson, when she cut her hair, she lost all her strength. <laughs> so she magically regrew it. Exactly. For the, for the faceless ones. And uh, as a result, did fuck all because she wasn't used to having hair. <laughs> Well, no, because she started the plot, but then she got shipped off into a plane. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, Macra for Polly Mm -hmm. was just, it was so bad. It was so bad. Yeah. And do do you know what's actually upsetting looking at it? What? Is you have Macra Terror 
um, and the faceless one, so two of our three bottom picks, have gotten the animated steelbook treatment. So if you only watch that, if you only watch the ones that are available on DVD that have been animated, Mm -hmm. and if you buy into the, oh, like these ones are like special editions and they're out in Blu-ray, because obviously some of these stories have been around on DVD for a while. Mm. Um, Her ones with Hartnell and stuff like that. Um, But like, if you only watched the like special edition ones, she doesn't come across very strongly at all. No, Power of the Daleks, and like then that like that's not even her story. Yeah, it's it's such a kick in the teeth mm. to the character. Do you know? Um, Reanimate Marco Polo and the Highlanders, please. Yeah, and the Crusades. And the Crusades, basically all Hartnell. Yeah, I want. Uh, I, I I'm missing Ian and Barbara slots on my shelf, and yep. um. <laughs> I need them back, <laughs> please. Uh, and not even Julian Glover doing the linking narration is enough to... <laughs> to no. Although I that. will still say, right, that... Will Trish talk about Ian and Barbara in every single rambling? Probably. Probably will. Right? Until so- a certain someone comes along. I'll probably, I'll probably still mention them. Yeah. Um, I'm going to once again plug it because it's great which is the target novelization of the crusades fucking fantastic she's not getting commission for this people so it's okay <laughs> no but i did buy it for patty for christmas yes and it was awesome thank you <laughs> anyway back to bed and party <laughs> yes and how about we go on to the high points yeah so let's go through their best episodes because like for nine stories mm-hmm. i kind of struggled with picking my best because there was so many unlike dodo where i was literally going are there any and i think i even included the massacre in dodo's best you you, you did like for five minutes of fucking television you included as a best of moment <laughs> um yeah um so uh, seeing as how I went first the last time on Ben G, how about you go first? Cool. So my best episodes for Ben going three, two, one. Mm-hmm. War Machines. Yeah. Macro Terror. Mm-hmm. And Tenth Planet. I've got two of those three. Cool. And two of them are in the exact same position. <laughs> cool. So uh, I'll just ask you, which two are they? War Machines and Tenth Planet. Okay. Cool. So why don't we, we discuss War Machines, I'll discuss Macra, you discuss what you'd have there, mm-hmm. and then we'll discuss Tenth Planet. So, for War Machines, it's such a fantastic character introduction. It, it is. It's, it's so a, brilliant. It's amazing. Um, he is great in it. Like, his dour sailor at the start, and immediately it's like, he's investigating the warehouse, he's trying to get stuck in, he's concerned for Polly. Oh, he developed a good relationship with the doctor. Yeah, that but that's it. He becomes like he he investigates, and the doctor trusts him to investigate because the doctor gets a good read on him, and that's because mm-hmm. Ben is such a really good character. And even like when you know, they capture the war machine, and Ben is the one that offers to you know set up the trap, and like the doctor's not like going, I've got to be the one to go in and take a look at it. Ben is not afraid to get stuck in, mm-hmm. and his time when he's even caught inside the warehouse is great. He's just, as you said, like quite a fantastic introduction to a new companion. Yeah, definitely. 
definitely. I think the thing about the war machines is it tells you everything you need to know about Ben. Mm-hmm. Do you know? We get things explored in more detail later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but only one other story adds something that we don't see in Tenth Planet, or we don't see in War Machines, and that's in Tenth Planet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think War Machines fantastic character introduction, like thousand mm. percent. So next, I had Macrotera. What did you have? I had the Highlanders. Okay. Why don't you go first? Okay. So no, I didn't pick the Macrotera because of the simple reason is that it's. It's a fantastic Michael Craze performance, mm. but Ben is under mind control. So I base my perform my base my picks on Ben in complete control of his own faculties the whole way throughout. Okay. So I I don't like when they're mind controlled. I don't classify that as a best moment for the character because they're under influence of something evil. But not to say that, that it's not like a fantastic you know like showing for the for the character is again it comes out to Michael Craze's great performance of that tortured look you know. Mm. Um, so I put on the Highlanders because yes he's a bit ignorant at the start of things in terms of as we discussed about the whole um, way that he acknowledges the history of Scotland and England but at the end of the very first episode he's citing that you cannot treat prisoners of war this way he even though he's in the middle of a prisoner sorry prison full of Scots that would hate him because just simply with the sound of his accent he's trying his best to get them out He's not afraid to risk his life uh, for the prisoners because it's the right thing to do. You know, he has that thing where he takes on Trask and, you know, he doesn't have any weapon and he's like not, he may not be as good a sword fighter as Trask is, but he's not afraid to stand up to him. And after a while, he has a really good interaction with Jamie and they become like the sort of the do, they get the roots of the duo that they would become. So I think it's a really good showing for Ben in that one. Cool. I would agree with everything you said on that. Yeah. Um, I would have had the Highlanders at my number four. Yeah. Um, the reason why I picked Macro Terra for number two, and I did struggle between um, including the Highlanders. Um, and I don't know if part of the reason why it's not there is because it's a missing episode. Maybe if I'd seen his performance, I, I may have assessed it differently. Um, because while... I enjoy the missing episodes more now. I do still struggle with them a little bit, and we've discussed that before. Yeah, like, like it's, um, it is possible to do it depending on the quality of what the guys at Loose Cannon have been able to provide us with. Yeah. Thank you once um, again for all your efforts. Yeah, definitely. Like, that, that, and again, that's nothing against Loose Cannon. It's just me. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to, for me to watch something that has descriptions and no subtitles. Because hmm. I don't know why I rely so much on subtitles. Like... My hearing is perfect, but I just watch everything with subtitles on by default. I don't know why. Um, but the reason why I picked Macro Terror is, you are correct. Ben is not in control of his faculties. For pretty much all of the story. Of uh, what's in the animated version. But about two thirds of it. Uh, of what's in the animated version. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Because the animated version removed... Certain aspects, yeah. Certain aspects of it. But... The reason why I think it's a great story for Ben is because we get to see that struggle. Because hmm. while Michael Craze plays it exceptionally well, it is Ben the character that's struggling. Yeah. And we get to see 
the moments where he's fighting it or he doesn't know what he's fighting but he knows it's wrong do you know and i t- i just i just thought it was fantastic i thought it was brilliant it it brought in it explored so much the thing that i really really liked about 10th planet yeah um, which is the the guilt for what he has what he, what he has done or what he is doing the the guilt and uh, i don't know what the right word is i'm trying to find the right word for it the remorse vulnerability okay the vulnerability that ben has i think comes across really well in macro terror and i think one of the reasons why it come across it comes across so strongly is you know ben has been the action man the, the, the strong one standing up and he's the one that got taken out hmm. do you know yeah and for me it's just it's just such an amazing performance and portrayal of just the conflictions the conflict that exists within ben um of because it also kind of in some ways and we kind of discussed this a little bit like ben when he was under mind control we said you know a lot of that could be what ben is like when he's on duty yeah and so it also kind of gives an insight into like what if there was a story of ben on ship and he's trying to balance his duty versus what he knows is right hmm. and I, I think macro probably takes again like like would you, would you know like you with highlanders it probably takes my number four spot but it's just i want to excuse me i wanted to pick a story where and not to do anything against uh, Ben's like Ben and Michael's performance in that story it's just I wanted to have like a representation for the character completely in control the whole time mm. and showing them at, at their best where there's no conflict you know yeah and, and Ma- that's yeah that works too yeah and, but again like Macra is again we we don't agree with some of the stuff that was done for the DVD release but when you, if you're a Ben fan check it out oh oh definitely yeah oh like if you're a poly yeah, fan, stay away from I wouldn't even put it in the in the sense of like the massacre and what we said with Stephen. Like, if you're a Stephen fan, definitely watch the massacre. Um, if you're a Ben fan, definitely watch Macrotar. Yeah, it's such an amazing insight into him. It's it's brilliant. And that brings us to Tenth Planet, yes. which we both picked as Ben's standout performance mm-hmm. so why don't you go first on that one um, look like we've used the 10 planets as a linchpin for any discussion when it comes to Ben that moment when he says he gave me he gave me no choice that's when you knew that Ben Jackson was a car- was a companion that was different to your perceptions of what a military type uh, character would be in Doctor Who it's again, as I said, he's the muscle of the group, but he's not a muscle head. He is very rational. He's very. He's a human being. Yeah. Yeah. And like, what? Like my my brother's in the military. Okay, my brother's in the army, mm. and he's served overseas uh, as part of peacekeeping missions in hostile areas. And one thing I'm very reluctant to ask him is: Has he ever been forced to fire his weapon? Because like if he has, I don't want to fucking make him revisit that experience. Mm. And I think Ben shows 
that some movies and TV shows do it very they have the stereotypes mm. of like gung-ho soldiers Ben is the opposite end of that spectrum where it's like I want to do my duty for queen and country don't necessarily want to have to fucking hurt someone while I'm doing it yeah I think one of the things I like about this right is we do get to see military Ben in 10th planet yeah do you know able to see Ben Jackson yeah but the thing is that like he's told well you're you're AWOL why aren't mm. you and you can tell that he's kind of like fuck I am like mm. do you know like he's not like I think when you have um, enlisted versus officers there's really with the exception of probably Miles O'Brien <laughs> there's usually two um, camps for both mm. okay so for in, in most media we'll exclude Star Trek because they're different but yeah. um, in popular media so like in military procedurals and, and things like that you have and even the stories that we've seen so far you have the enlisted who are um you know the the sergeant you know the fucking hard ass who fucking ride you like there's no tomorrow and it's constantly like you know what did you call me and like all this type of thing right and then often in fictional media we get the other end of the spectrum as well, which is the enlisted idiot. Mm-hmm. Like the guy who couldn't ever be an officer. Do you know? Yeah. He became a sailor because... No. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I suppose there is the third category, I think, with enlisted as well, which is the enlisted man who knows more than the officer. Yeah. I think Ben will eventually become the enlisted man who knows more than the officer. Um <laughs> I I see Ben I see Ben being the Benton of the Navy. Yeah, but actually, even more capable, I think. Oh, you know, like Benton, Benton Benton's great, and we'll, we'll get to Benton in a couple in, in a while. But um, I I think Ben is very much a highly capable sailor, and mm. I have a funny feeling the only reason why Ben isn't an officer is because he couldn't afford it. He had no choice but to enlist mm-hmm. because either he couldn't afford a university education or he, because of his class, he yeah. became a sailor as opposed to an officer. Yeah. But we see in 10th Planet him filling into that role and we see how he can be a bridge for the doctor with people of, um, um, power and with military type structures and stuff like that we also see which i love um and we mentioned it at the time how he truly sees polly do you know because mm. there's that controversial moment where he's like polly put the kettle on mm-hmm. and people see it as looking down on her or treating her like the tea lady Whereas actually he's like, no, Polly, like, you're a people person. Work the room. Do what you did for me. Yeah. In the war machines. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And of course we get that amazing conflict with when he takes out the Cybermen, which is just, 
it's it's just so great because it shows that he's not just a gung ho. I joined the military because I want to shoot, release shoot, some boom, fucking boom. pent up frustrations I have, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um. Overall, it's, it's just it's so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Um. Yeah. Cool. So, I'm really gonna miss Ben now that we've gone through all of his stuff. But that's a sign of a good companion. You fucking hate to see them leave. Yeah, but like, similar to Polly, like his last few stories, they've been up and down. Um, you know, Moonbase underwater was kind of fine, and then mm. you've got it's just whatever. But he has such strong stories, and he's such a strong, complex character. Yeah, which brings us over to our other complex character, which is. Polly. So why don't you do your three, two, one for Polly? Cool. So for Polly, the polyglot, hmm. I have the smugglers, hmm. the ten planet, and the highlanders. I have two of those. One of which is in the same position. Cool. So what have you got? So highlanders is in the same position for me. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So what way do you want to work this? So why don't you do your three, two? I'll do my three, two, and then we'll discuss cool. the highlanders. So. I picked the smugglers because I genuinely think Polly is fantastic in that story. Um, Straight away, she's the molder of the group. Uh, She's very kind of accepting as to what's going on, which is, you know, it's great. Um, When they get imprisoned, she's using her knowledge of the time to come up with a really very clever um, escape plan. You know, like, oh, we're the, the apprentices of a very powerful warlock. And ooh, I thought that was fucking great. I would have loved to have seen that in surviving footage. Um, And then, yes, we do get our very first kind of moment of Polly in peril when the two pirates um, are in the cave. Doesn't stop her from fucking jumping into the action and jumping on that guy's back to help uh, Ben, you know. Or biting. Wasn't it she bite his hand I, as well? I think she bit him or something like that. And it's like... Why couldn't she have done that in the Macro Terror? Like when um, Zaroff was taking on Jamie. Why not do the... I was going to say, because it's a big giant crab patty. <laughs> I know that you can eat crabs, but like... Sorry, no. Did I say Macro Terror? I meant Underwater Menace. You said Macro Terror. Sorry. Look, they're both got something to do with the fucking sea, okay? There's a crab. It's underwater. I was imagine Polly trying to bite into the crab claw and going... This isn't like crab claws I get in a restaurant. <laughs> Could be like the Monty Python sketch for like you know, the eat blamanges that want to just want to play tennis. Uh, <laughs> but like, no, like, why couldn't you have done that in the Underwater Menace? Exact mm-hmm. same scenario. Um, so I think that's a for like a a first trip outing. It's it's a great performance from Polly. Mm. Um, then we have the Ten Planet, mm. which this was definitely kind of a thing where it's like yeah do not judge this lady like she she's not a blonde bimbo nope. she's incredibly perceptive she's very dis- she's very disarming uh mm. very much like the way that the, the second doctor is in certain scenarios he's very disarming he lets you get your guard down uh i think she like that's why i said she'd be a great poker player or a fantastic spy um <laughs> like so it, it, it was just it was really really good i really enjoyed her in it uh, I don't know what more I can say that we haven't already said throughout the course of this entire fucking rambling. <laughs> so what are your three two? Yeah, so mine is Tenth Planet, mm-hmm. 
which I'll touch on for a second. The War Machines and the Highlanders. War Machines, she's great in. Again, for the same reason I didn't pick Ben for Macra, I didn't pick Polly for this one. Okay. I'll, I'll explain why I did, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tenth Planet. We, we've discussed Tenth Planet ad nauseum, right? <laughs> she <laughs> makes coffee. Planet. She fucking suckers people in. She's great. Yeah. Tenth Planet. Polly. It's Polly at her best. Because um, Polly using all of the skills that she has. We see it kind of in the moon base as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, I was kind of conflicted between the two of which one to pick. But unfortunately, because the moon base had this, the Girl two squeaky moments and her not saying, no, fuck it, there was a Cyberman, we're going to go look for him or whatever. Because yeah. she was confined to the infirmary for so long, that's why 10th Planet took the, took the post mm-hmm. um, out of those two. Because I was conflicted between picking one of the two of them. But it's, re- it's Polly at her best, using her people's skills to her advantage and definitely reading the room of how people see her and using that and being like mm. no you think i'm this i'm not and the way she stands up to the cybermen the way she speaks to the cybermen it's just it's it's amazing 10th planet is a fantastic story um and polly and ben are fantastic in it yeah because like i think uh was it? i give it a four and you give it a 4.5 yeah. So like, 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 if we give something a four, then it's a definite fucking must watch. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, war machines. Mm-hmm. Why did I include the war machines and you didn't? So, yes, Polly gets brainwashed in the war machines. However, I still think, similar to Ben, the war machines is a fantastic introduction to that character. Oh, and like, I'm not, I'm not disputing that. Because again, we get everything we need to know about Polly, including. One of the things that I wrote down as a strength is that she does not give in. The big difference for me between Polly being brainwashed and Ben is Polly wasn't 100% brainwashed. under control. Mm-hmm. Um, ben had people constantly telling him. Mm-hmm. Polly had Ben, but then he stopped trying to combat her on it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ben had conversations with the doctor. He had Polly... And the incident with the macra, like Ben had bigger ways of knocking him out of it than Polly did. Whereas mm-hmm. Polly, you know, if you're comparing Polly and Dodo, big difference between the two. Oh, a huge difference. Also with the war machines, we got Polly the people person in her interactions with Ben. In her interactions with the doctor, you know, like they get along really, really well right out the gate. Um, and we get an understanding of like Polly isn't just the secretary she's his she's professor brett's assistant and you know clearly people think very highly of her like when she's sent to the other the guy's office who helped with the investigation i forgot his name um you know there's no like why would he say is it oh okay cool you know go oh, off sir, and do your thing oh sir charles yeah sir charles. yeah um yeah. i think again it's another fantastic introduction to someone who's going to be a very complex character yeah do you know and like the way she pulls ben along do you know that like <laughs> she doesn't give him a choice she's just like no you're my friend now get over it <laughs> i i again kind of i toyed with the idea of putting this in the top three uh but it was just i wanted the again but again i completely agree with the whole strength of character like she's not giving in mm. but it was just like there is that period of time where she's under the influence of 
or like she's not working on the side of the angels. Yeah. So like that's why I was just went for pure angels, you know. Mm. Um, but like no, like again, like fuckish, like we we fell in love with Ben and Polly nearly straight away. Yeah. And it's because of of the war machines and their stupid mm. smoke blowing fucking. <laughs> What does it do? <laughs> we loved Ben and Polly. We loved the Doctor in it. Yeah. We didn't love the war machines and we didn't love Dodo. <laughs> no. No, we didn't love how Dodo was treated. Not that we didn't that's love true, Dodo. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, our best episode for... I think I think we kind of agreed that this was going to be the best episode back when we talked about it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like, and obviously, yeah. you. I think you tipped your hand a bit time because I hadn't seen anything that came after it and you had. Yeah. Um, Which is the Highlanders. Yeah. It's, it's just... Like, again, like Ben kind of starts off a small bit ignorant as to the fucking scenario that they find themselves in. Mm. And she does have that Polly and Peril moment at the very end of the first episode where person above her with a knife. And I mean, I remember I made the comment where I was like, look, fucking last person you saw was Kirsty with a knife. Logically, person above you should be Kirsty with a knife. <laughs> but I, I don't see that as a logical deduction <laughs> at all. <laughs> But he hadn't really gone far, like so. But, but look, that's how my my brain works. Okay, yeah. leave me alone. Um, but everything after the first episode is just fucking. I'd watch a solo spin-off of fucking Polly doing a quantum leap, <laughs> going in, fucking writing the wrongs. You know, hopefully the next leap will bring her to the home. You know. Yeah, for me, like even the first episode, for me the first episode wasn't really a, a a write-off of amazingness because she had, you know, we need to get, we need to do a distraction. Come on, come right. on! Like, like she was constantly pulling Kirsty or Kirsty, whatever her name was. Kirsty. Kirsty. She was constantly being like, "No, we have to do this," and like mm. right from the offset, like you know, she they go to. Was they did they go to get water or something? They go to get water for the laird. Yeah. yeah. They go to get water, and as soon as they realize what's happening on the way back, Polly's instantly, we gotta do something. Hmm. She hasn't a fuck notion what's happening. <laughs> she's in a period of history she's clearly not very familiar with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's still straight into it, you know? And, you know, at the end of the, end, the, end of the episode, there's a Polly in peril moment. What's a Polly in peril moment? If Polly fell down a hole. Yeah. <laughs> It's nothing compared to the Polly and Peril moments we get later. She no, fell down a hole. Like, like, oh no, I, I'm not going to discount the entirety of the first episode. I would just say yeah. like that it really fucking hits. Oh, it it hits its it stride. Hits, yeah, from, like from in, the, the in the next episode. episode. Too. Yeah, and really, when your man fell down the hole as well. <laughs> oh, algae, Algernon Finch. Algernon, Algernon, because um, the way she plays him is just. It's a masterstroke. It's so good because, again, it's using what people see against them. It's just, it's fantastic. She, like, no, she's absolutely great. Like, in, like, she's, she was so good in the story. It was, yeah. like, I, like, I would watch Secret Agent Polly in various historical periods the whole time. Um, yeah. So, like, again, you know. Annika, if you're listening, Fraser, if you're listening, BBC, if you ever hear this, please animate the Highlanders. Yes. Please, please. make it easier for people to watch it. Um, because it's just, it it's amazing, it, it's fantastic. Cool. I think after Monday's uh, <laughs> disparity in the scores, land up by a huge amount. I think we're kind of in the same bracket in relation to everything here again. Mm. The thing that I find really interesting, so yeah, our scores recently have been a bit off 
and I've been scoring higher than you, which is so rare. Yeah. Um, the thing I find interesting about this actually is Ben and Polly's strongest episodes, with hmm. the exception of Macra Terror for me and The Savages for you. Yeah. They both have the best episodes. They're the exact same. <laughs> <laughs> as in, like, uh, scores wise, is it? No, but as in War Machines. Uh, you said no. You said the Savages. Do you mean the Smugglers? Yeah, but oh, Smugglers. Yeah. So these are the Smugglers for you. Um, Macra for me, mm-hmm. for Ben, and then, um, War Machines. And now, what did you have for Ben? What was your? I I, I had for Ben I Highlanders. Had Highlanders, so Highland, yeah. Highlanders, and yeah. So like, I didn't have the Highlanders for Ben, but you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like th- their best episodes are the ones that each. Oh, you know what I mean? Yes. They both had ten planets and war machines. There we go. Yeah, exactly. And you gave Ben the Highlanders and I didn't, so whatever. Um, point is, Ben and Polly are great. They really are. And the stories they're in together where they're both strong are fantastic stories. Mm. Um, I think of after Ian and Barbara's departure. Yeah. I think if you look at a story where Polly has done well and Ben has done well, that is a fucking fantastic story. Mm-hmm. Stories where one of them isn't done as well, the whole story just doesn't work. No. As strongly, do you know? Yeah. Because, like, Faceless Ones and Moonbase, we had the same. <laughs> um, Macro, Underwater, Menace, and Faceless Ones, we had the same. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. You know, before we finish off, and we do have to finish up soon because we've been talking for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your final thoughts on Ben and Polly? Um, so, and actually, and on Ben and Polly, the duo. The duo. So, they're not going to be as good as the OG duo. They're not. No. But they're they're def they're a great fucking duo. Um, my thoughts. So, as I said, a lot. This is my first time coming back to a lot of these stories in a very long time. Mm my perception of these characters have changed rather from them being, yeah, you know what? They're good companions to they're great companions. Like they have some exceptional moments and some exceptional stories. It just that in such a short space of time, they had such a rocky roller coaster, especially towards the end of their thing. But I think that these are companions that you could definitely recommend going, Oh, do you want fuck it? You should go watch this story. You, we should go watch and the good thing about it is that it also really strengthens the whole thing of you can go back beyond Pertwee because a lot of uh, I see again a lot of people saying oh I want to start classic where should I start oh start with either John Pertwee's era because it's the first one where everything is there and in colour and in colour or start with you know Tom Baker because he's the most famous the more positive characters and more positive companions that we get in the Hartnell and specifically Troughton era because the Troughton era there's so much of it missing mm. and we've talked about the amazing performances of Michael Craze and Annika Wills and even if you just sit and watch the, the Loose Cannon stuff their performances draw you in yeah I would agree 110% when we first started doing this podcast 
Um, and when we got to the chase, I said I was entering unknown territory at that point. <laughs> because I, the way I watch Doctor Who, and to be honest, the way I watch Doctor Who now, like if I watch um, episodes out of order, shock horror, which I did a little bit over Christmas, um, I tend to watch by companion. Just some mm-hmm. people watch a doctor's run. I watch a companion's run. Cause that's how I got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I watched, I got into classic who by watching Sarah Jane. I've said that before. Um, over Christmas and you know New Year's, I watched Ace's run and I watched Joe's or not Joe. I rewatched Liz Shaw's run. I didn't watch all of Pertwee. I didn't watch all of Seven, all of Sylvester McCoy because I like watching companions. And I gave up watching after Ian and Barbara left of the black and white stuff because so much of it was missing and the companions didn't interest me. Like Vicky didn't interest me a whole lot. And so I didn't keep on doing it. And I can honestly say like, if you're someone like me where maybe you don't want to watch an entire doctor's run and you watch by companion, watch Ben and Polly's run. Yeah, no. Starting with the war machines, finishing with the faceless ones. Yeah, there's one or two dodgy ones in the middle, but depending on your preferences, they may not have bothered you the same way they bothered me and Patty. Yeah. Um, they are a great introductory companion set, and if you're a shipper, they're also a really cute companion set. You know. Um. So yeah, I I think, you know, they, oh, it was such a relief to get to them. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I enjoyed them the way I did because it was lagging there for a while and I was like oh my god we have years before we get to like people that I know and love again but you see one the other flip side of this and not to take away anything from Ben and Polly mm. by doing this your love of Hartnell his run has yeah and like I'll I'll say something this isn't this rambling isn't meant to be about that but it's a rambling and that's the whole point um, I've enjoyed Patrick Troughton up to now. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, he still has nothing on Bill. Yeah. <laughs> In my opinion, I know some people like I know Paul. Um, from Half Measures, he said that no, like yeah. Troughton is his favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, Troughton is very good, but his doctor has nothing on Bill. Yeah. For me at the moment, which is why like you and I said like oh well me watching them in order and me falling in love with Bill's Doctor so much change how I originally ranked my Doctors. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I mean, maybe. Do you know, everyone says that Troughton, I mean, a lot of people say that Troughton's better, that he's easier to get into than Bill was. Um, I miss Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a contest of two people, Patrick Troughton is coming in second so far. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But uh, again, not to take away anything from Patrick Trollin's run. No, oh God, no. Yeah, I've noticed. But I think, I think one thing we're trying to get across is in this in this particular episode is that we would like to thank, and I suppose like we've done it as well for other companions, maybe not one or two of them, but we would definitely like to thank Annika Wills and Michael Craze for the amazing job they did in bringing Ben and Polly to life because they were two people that brought brought you know people back into Doctor Who. Um, they also helped smooth over transition 
in a, mm. like, like on a completely uncertain note, you know, they helped smooth it over and they helped carry on the show and they helped, you know, facilitate a new companion coming in. So definitely the stories that we've recommended here aren't even the ones that you might have liked that we would have scored very low. Fuck it, check them out because the more the more viewings of these stories and the more that they're talked about, the more likely it is that we will get animated versions of these stories. Yeah, like we had we each had one story of Ben and Polly's that we scored a two. Yeah. Okay. There were different stories. Yours is faceless ones. Mine was Underwater Menace. Mm-hmm. We, you had two stories that you gave a 2.5 and I had one that I gave a 2.75. Everything else has been 3.5, fours. They're such good stories. Like 3.75s. Like, they're so good. And I I would reiterate what Patty said. Like, you know, <laughs> Ben and Polly restored my faith <laughs> in what Classic Who became after what yeah, I considered my golden age. Right. Yes. You know, um, they really, you know, and it's it's down to Annika and Michael. And, you know, like I said, Annika, if you're ever listening, thank you so much for everything that you've done for Who and for the character. Like I said, like she continues to do stuff for Big Finish and she's so involved. And I regret that Michael, same as I regret that um, Jacqueline Hill couldn't have been on Big Finish stuff. Michael mm-hmm. couldn't either. And that really sucks. Yeah. Because they, their, their characters were so amazing. And I, I will say right now, if I do ever have the honour of meeting Peter Purvis, I will apologise to him in person for shitting on his character so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, if you ever meet Steven Tyler in real life, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, if I ever see, meet Steven Tyler in real life, I'm dropkick him down a flight of stairs. Um yeah. Sorry, Stephen Taylor. Stephen Tyler is like, no, we won't do that to Stephen <laughs> oh, no, Tyler. No, not Stephen Tyler. That's, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. a different person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's oh. late and I'm sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> My brain Dream. is easy to function. Dream on this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, on that note, guys, right. Patty, it's been great going through these characters with you. Again, yeah. I think we've gone on longer than we probably planned on doing, but that's the whole yeah. point of a rambling. <laughs> yeah, ramblings were meant to be like, like what was it, like less than an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but hey, our normal episodes are meant to be an hour and they've yeah. been like two hours plus. Um, we'll be back on Monday with our first story without Ben and Polly, mm-hmm. which is going to be The Evil of the Daleks, which is also the final story of season three. Four. Four. Yeah, no, I read that wrong. I'm really tired. Final story of season four. <laughs> um, you can tell I went back to work this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> final story of season four. And we'll see how did the season compare to previous seasons. Because so far, other than one hiccup episode each, it's been going fairly solid. Yeah. You know, it's been going, I think this is probably the most solid season we've seen since season two. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. So we will talk to you on Monday. Bye, guys. Bye.